0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: Welcome back for episode 22 of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.
0: San Diego's number one sports podcast network.
2: Joined in studio with our first... In-studio guest. He's an old friend. He's our gambling guru and our eSports guru. He always makes, makes sure I say that. It's uh, Sam... Uh, before we do that, do you want like your whole name or your Twitter handle th- thrown out there or anything? Or do just you su-
1: let's keep it at Sam. I want the subtle.
2: Just Copy and wait. I see?
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, welcome, Sam. What do you think of the place?
1: It's fantastic. Love the IKEA furniture. Love what you've done with the
2: place. Whoa. It is not IKEA furniture. It's from... Office Depot. I actually don't know where it's from. <laughs> I didn't buy it, but uh, you got something against Ikea anyway?
1: Oh, no, absolutely
2: not. That desk out there, that conference table, that's a really nice conference table. Isn't it, admiring that on the way in?
1: Love it. Love it.
2: And we got some White Claws, hopefully to be the, the next sponsor or the first sponsor of the show. White Claw. White Claw Mango, maybe. The first sponsor. We can only hope. We're going to reach out to corporate and see how that goes. So Sam is notoriously anti baseball guy, at least among our uh, small group of people we know. So Sam, what is your big beef with baseball?
1: (laughs) No, I I would say I'd preface that I followed baseball and love baseball and it was my favorite sport growing up. And I I think I tend to bring up a lot of nineties nostalgia uh, with regards to baseball. I just think, you know, for where the game's at now, I don't think it resonates with kind of the modern consumer of Sports and entertainment, and I think the data actually is with me on this. Uh, you know, if you look into attendance numbers, uh, baseball since 2012 uh, has it had a decline in attendance uh, every year since. Um, if you look at you know the median age of the sport hovers around 57 years old. The, the oldest fans of the major, yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, you know, if you look at the data that uh, uh, is dug up on millennials and Gen Z. Uh, it certainly doesn't resonate, uh, you know, as a top three most popular sport. I mean, even MLS uh, is listed as a more popular uh, entertainment option. So I, I think who? the sport. Who's Who's
2: no, 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 no. MLS? Is it still it's... the fastest growing sport in America for the <laughs> like, 20th year in a row? Lacrosse? where are you getting
0: this? At?
1: No, this is. I mean, Gallup data. You can look into this, but uh, you know they've been conducting He's these polls throw out since Gallup. There, they've been yeah. conducting these polls since 1937, and. <laughs> What you should know is that, uh, you know, amongst the 18-34 to 34 demo and then certainly under the 18-and-under uh, demo, uh, baseball is listed as the fourth or fifth fifth most popular What's sport. What's number one on there? The NFL. The NFL, it's very impressive, the dominance of football. And, you know, amongst all age cohorts, uh, really since the 1970s, uh, the sport has dominated this, uh, you know. I mean, they really are America's pastime with regards to attendance and, you know, the TV media numbers. Other than the NFL, though,
0: no one's really doing anything. Everyone's numbers are down. If you're going to bring this up, NBA's down, MLS was never theirs.
2: Well, MLB definitely has a problem. And anti-MLB Sam here brings up a good point. And it's no secret that the average age of the fan is in the 50s and the fans are are dying off. It's hard to get young fans in the seats. And we were talking a little bit pre-show about this. Um, I think one of the issues is the size of the stadiums like with the, with the MLB schedule and they play 82 home games or 81 home games. um, It's, it's really hard to fill a 40,000 person stadium on a Tuesday night. And so like, what do you do? Like, do you make the stadium smaller, but then you lose out on revenue because of, uh,
0: but then all those Friday, Saturday games are, they sell out easily.
2: The first opening week sells out easily. Playoffs are crazy uh, with seats. So it's really tough uh, to subtract seats when for, you know, a quarter of the season, you're selling out. So Sam, do you have any solution? Like what would you do if you were major league baseball to see my problem is I'd want to fix the optics of it. So I want these small crowds to just look bigger on TV and then you improve your television product that way. But in terms of revenue, they're making a lot of TV money still. Um, what would you do in terms of trying to help the, the brand reach a younger audience?
1: So it's a good point. I mean, you know, all the data suggests that with the younger cohort, uh, baseball certainly doesn't resonate as well. And I think you know a big issue that they had, and we—I don't know if we discussed this—but uh, baseball had some very antiquated policies with regards to social media and how you could share videos, and uh, you know the the issues that teams had over displaying uh, videos in real time of things going on into you know small highlights. Um, baseball was kind of the slowest to uh, really adapt to uh, the social media norms. That uh, certainly relative to like the NBA, uh, MLS. So we need like NFL. a
0: house of highlights. Some guy like that on Instagram. Is that?
1: Well, a I, I, from what I understand, baseball has gotten uh, you know a lot smarter about how they share uh, social media clips. Which is, I mean, just the way the the younger generation consumes sports media. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the NBA is a good model for, you know, how well you can cut clips. And... An attendance thing that they could do is, like, weekdays,
0: do half-off pricing or even do free. Like, just make it look like the stadium's there because you're going
2: to sell concessions. Like, make your money on
0: concessions.
2: We were talking about dynamic pricing, which is, like, you know, it, when...
0: Yeah, easily they should do
2: that. Uh, Tuesday night games that, like, uh, who's in town? Let's say, like, the... the Vetar ah, Cup can't throw them there. Uh The Texas Rangers in town. So like, who really cares about seeing the Texas Rangers here? Probably nobody. Right. Uh, why are Why are seats still like 40 dollars?
0: Same price as a Friday night ticket. Yeah.
2: They day of tickets should be dirt cheap. Um, I've I've wanted this for years. I don't know why. I'm. It, it's up to the teams. They make their own ticket prices, don't they? Yes, they do. So personally, if I owned the team, I'd rather see more fans in the stands. Then make a few extra bucks
0: anyway, if you're not selling it, you're getting nothing.
2: I think you should try to make your
0: seat and get there, like get them to buy two hot dogs.
2: You should try to make your television product as good as possible if you're MLB. And then at least you have the, the look of, you know, a a really popular high demand sport. Like you don't want to be giving away tickets. You want them fighting to get in. So like, that's where we came up with, uh, you know, maybe smaller stadiums, although that's not going to happen anymore, but, um, like how do you how do you get more fans into the stands when it's a Tuesday night game? And I threw out the idea. You and I, Wade, have talked about this before. I'd like to see them do more six o'clock starts and get away from seven o'clock. That's so hard to get to
0: from work, though. I mean, if you're working, at, just take San Diego for example. If you're not working downtown to get downtown by six o'clock is so hard. Well, if you're i working still working f- in Sorrento Valley, and you get off of work at five. You're not getting downtown by six forty-five minimum.
2: Would you rather see the first pitch or the last pitch? Because most people leave the game early anyway. True. So, Last
0: pitch,
2: yeah. um, if you're the people leave early, w- why do you think the main reason people leave early is, is the game ends at like 10, 15, 10 th- then you're getting home at 11. Uh, but by the time you get out of the ballpark and you get to your car and you drive home, it's like 11 o'clock on a weekday. Nope. That's why nobody's going to games in my opinion.
1: Well, I just have a question, you know, what dictates the start of time? Cause is it, you know, come from the, the TV <coughs> provider? Because obviously, you know, we've talked about how, uh, the media rights, you you know, have such an outsized influence on how these teams operate. Is it for the television viewing op- audience, is seven o'clock a better optimized time for capturing? Probably.
2: Yeah, for those TV aud- I guess, yeah, all their money's on TV. Where the
0: money's coming from. So you're probably right on that. Like there was the White Sox the other couple years ago, they were sponsored by 7 Eleven. So all their games started at 7 Eleven.
2: That's cute. Um, I, I guess that's something MLB knows more about than we do. But at the same time, if there's. 21,000. If there's 21,000 people. Like,
1: okay, we're starting at six.
2: Yeah, I I think you just need to tell them a year in advance, like when the schedule comes out.
1: Right. So I just have a question for you guys. Uh, You know, if you just given data on uh, the millennial cohort and the Gen Z, you know, generation, why do you think baseball is not resonating as well? Uh, Why is, for instance, MLS been cited as a more popular sport? And, you know, what does baseball need to do to, ML. I think
2: you can take MLS out of here. I don't think MLS is I a love more this data sport. that you keep <laughs>
0: bringing up. That you're just it's your opinion and you're saying it's data.
2: MLS has much smaller stadiums. Uh there's no way they're making as much television revenue. It's it's relatively new in each city, so I think you're seeing that,
0: Sam, question for that you. first city. Can you name four teams in the
1: MLS?
2: Oh, I'm sure you can. I can Absolutely. Yeah.
1: The Sounders. Where are they from? Uh Seattle. We're gonna need both. The Portland uh, Timber,
2: not Timbers. Timbers. Okay, I'll we'll give you half one for that.
1: LaFC, my personal favorite team, and then the uh, Carson Galaxy, my David Beckham's boys. Who just won the MLS Cup? So here's the thing. <laughs> Let me preface I, everything that I'm citing is that you know I'm 32 years old. I'm talking about you know the generation younger than me, and I think that's where in lies the the big problems for baseball in terms of making up some of the. uh you know, lost space, uh, you know, certainly relative to their older generations. Do you think more people in the U.S.
0: know that the Washington Nationals won the World Series or Vancouver's MLS team won the MLS
2: Cup?
1: Certainly more people know... Vancouver
2: won the MLS Cup? Didn't they? I thought I thought the Sounders won. No, that's... Uh, see, now we don't even know. I don't even know.
1: I don't follow soccer.
2: Can we get research weight on that?
1: No, I, I, I that. certainly agree, and... Uh, I, I I'm really specifically talking about, you know, the generation that is, you know, five to eighteen years old, eighteen to thirty year old demo, which just, you know, it happens to be a smaller population than, you know, Gen X and the baby boomers and your so E gamer population.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What'd you find out, Wade? The Seattle Sounders <laughs> won the last MLS.
2: Does team. Vancouver have an MLS team?
0: They do. They lost to the Seattle Sounders in the Western Division
1: championship.
2: Who are who are they?
1: I don't know their name. <laughs> you guys joke around, but uh, I mean, just look at all the data with regards <laughs> to the popularity. The, where's uh, the baseball da- this data word? Did Keep you find? Did you out. find
2: the data yet? Wait, where's the okay. data?
1: Please uh, search Gallup's <laughs> sports poll, which, by the way, is the most widely cited, uh, you know, authority on sports popularity in this country. And you'll see that uh, you know amongst the uh, Gen Z and millennial cohorts, that uh, the MLS is actually a much more popular product than baseball right now. And, you know, it is a longer curve in terms of, you know, what the implications will be for the future, for how the sports shape out. But I'm just saying, you know, as those, uh, you know, cohorts age and, you know, have more spending power and have families and such, it could be a much different landscape,
2: uh, you know, with regards to the major sports. Did you just learn the word cohort today? Is that why we're sticking nice. it in every five minutes? <laughs> no, it's just a way to <laughs> – uh, I think up. I think we're seeing a big influx of people caring about MLS because it's relatively new in a lot of the markets. So whenever something new pops in, like you get a, a second L.A. team, uh, the new teams are always really popular because people how want – How big them.
0: are those stadiums? Like how big is L.A.? Well, you know where
2: the Chargers play. It's like 27,000. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean the Atlanta
1: Falcons sell out their football stadium for their soccer team.
2: They do. That's a that's a good example so, of a team that's thriving. They and won. The I mean, last you look at Alaska. They did. Yeah. They play on turf too, indoors. It's like, what are we Street. doing? You
0: can play on the streets, Yogo Bonita, You know. We
2: should have like a, an asphalt court then, just like every, sand. Some places, you know, grass. Others. Brazilians
0: get so good.
2: Yeah. We'll save it for the soccer podcast. The good pitch. stuff from what the pitch. Save it for the pitch. That could work for baseball too. Dual threat. That's the Ryan Russillo podcast, I think. Uh So that went a little longer than I thought, but we wanted to break in uh, Sam and get his and thoughts his on and all, all of his data and in, his cohorts, among so. the various cohorts. And <laughs> the big news from today, obviously, was this morning. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Wade's favorite player, Luis Arias, was finally traded. He gone. And I'm. One reason I'm happy about this is because no one in San Diego knew how to say his last name, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited that we don't have to hear the butchering of his name anymore. What
0: happened to your island?
2: You're one of the, it it, it got sunk. What what am I going to do? He's not on the team anymore. Yeah, but yeah, wait. How do you how do you pronounce his name? You're one of the biggest culprits of this. You're one of the Urias guys with Coach Cantara. Uh, I was hearing, I heard Urias. I've heard Uria, Urias. Urias. I've I've heard it. I'm not even kidding. So he was traded this morning along with Eric Lauer to the Milwaukee Brewers for a young guy, Trent Grisham, and another, I guess, a righty version of Eric Lauer, Zach Davies. So
0: I'd say a little better than Lauer. I think think Davies is better than Lauer. I think Yurik's and Gresham both aren't proven, and it's kind of same for same there.
2: I thought it was just kind of a weird deal for both sides. I guess... One Each side had a piece. They weren't sold on long-term.
0: I mean, Gresham's but, behind Yellich. He's not going anywhere. So they had to get rid well, of Well,
2: he was them. behind Yellich, uh, Kane, and Braun for, in the outfield. So right. they really had no space for him. He, he has been a top prospect. He's a first-round draft pick. He has pedigree. And he he did something this year in his call-up um, other than lose the final playoff game to – he's the reason that the Nationals beat the Brewers in that wild card game. With that –
0: ball
2: through his legs. Uh it jumped around his glove. So he was charging it and it didn't go through his legs. It went around him somehow. But he's a guy they don't you're seem I mean to... him
0: though and not the uh NL The ball NL closer of the year over a boy Kirby. Oh,
2: uh yeah, they gave Josh Hader the reliever of the year award.
0: Such bullshit. Still mad about it.
2: But the Padres also weren't sold on Luis Arias long term, clearly. Even in just 300 at-bats, he was hitting like 211 on base, a little over 300. All he could do seemingly was walk.
0: Who was your favorite
1: second baseman Padres <clears throat> ever? Ooh. No question, Kilvio Varas. Uh, no question. He was really the, t- the table setter. I mean, it's between him and Mark Loretta, I think you're probably looking at the two uh, the best first bit ba- or second base. People
2: forget how good Loretta was because he was on some bad teams. But yeah, he had like 200 hit seasons pretty regularly, he was scoring Who 100. Josh runs? Barfield. I just I just liked Barfield, (laughs) those Barfield Kuzminov teams. Lights out. They were pretty good. So uh, we're just going to spend just like a really brief time on this uh, trade because I don't I I, it got a lot of attention right away because it was Preller finally did something and and we were excited and then. The name in it involved was Luis Arias, who's a hot button issue for a lot of people. You either love him or you hate him. I hate him.
0: Wanted him gone. You absolutely I hate him. super stoked. I feel
2: like stretch. most people wanted to give him a real chance. And it seemed like he never was given the reins to second base and given that real chance. It brings to the question, did Preller hate him or did Andy Green hate him? I think Preller hated him. Pre- well, Preller must have hated him because he's right. gone. So
0: Preller was making the calls and why he wasn't.
2: Preller hasn't been keeping, him. he hasn't been keeping anyone that he inherited. You look at all the names that he's been trading over the years uh, and the ones that he hasn't been trading, all the prospects he's been keeping. He's been sending out the guys that were on the team when he got here. Uh, He did that like day one, the major league talent. Which
0: kind of scares you though because he really hasn't proven – none of his guys have been proven yet. Has
2: he acquired a major league piece that's panned out? Sam, as a quasi-Padre
0: fan, what's your take on Preller?
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. I think he, uh, he kind of gets this persona as this like mad genius where he's, you know, able to, you know, make all these maneuvers and really transform the team year to year. Uh, you know, I personally don't see it. I guess, you know, it's really going to have to be, uh, you know, determined how much he's had in terms of an impact of, you know, making a move like the Tatis Jr. trade. Was that really him or was that someone internal? Um, You know, it it seems like from the, you know, young player development uh, and acquisition, uh, he's excelled. But, you know, in terms of fielding the catalysts that surround this young talent, you know, it's certainly questionable. A guy like Eric Hosmer, for what he's paid as a first baseman who, you know, if you look at the Sabre metrics, you know, a vastly overrated player. uh, You question stuff like that. Four-time Gold Glover, though. Agreed, but, uh, you know, I think maybe, uh, the gold glove as a first baseman may be overweighted as, uh, you know, a characteristic necessary. Um, and, you know, just, you just look at how that, how much, uh, that money could go towards, you know, pitching, the relief, uh, issues that they've had. Uh, it's just a big number for a guy who had actually pretty average, uh, statistics relative to first baseman in the, uh, league.
2: The average. I think he'd be happy. I'd be happy if he was an average first baseman right now. It looks like at least he's below average defensively. And if he's not hitting for any power, which he is, he's famous for his negative launch angle. And in, in today's era, I don't know how you do that as a first baseman with all the analytics that players are given and that coaches and scouts have access to. Why right, is everybody Eric
0: swinging up on the ball? Why
2: is Eric Hosmer, the one guy who I, I, I'm okay with the line drive approach if you can do it, but he is just drilling it into the ground in front of him. Yeah. And, He's not hitting, He doesn't hit for high average. He doesn't hit for power. He's not. He's not reliable on defense. So I don't know what he does exactly. And I'm famously a Eric Hosmer clubhouse guy, in uh, the ba- and base path guy, I guess too.
0: Not a pop fly guy. We know
2: that. So kind of in conclusion here, I guess the trade was just kind of for me. It was a weird deal. It was two teams kind of just trading assets that they weren't sold on long term. The Brewers probably wanted to save a little money, get a little more control. Over their pitching staff, Eric Lauer and Zach Davies are both are both back end rotation guys. I don't see anything other than that. Um, I mean, Dave- my whole
0: thing the whole time is Potter's needed a right hander. We have so many lefties. We need a right hander. Zach Davies is right hander. I think that aspect of it. it was Richards, great for
2: Paddock, Lamette aren't enough right handers for you. I forgot
0: about Richards.
2: <laughs> so there there's plenty of, there's plenty of righties, and the Dodgers were lefty heavy last year and were the best team in the National League. The entire season.
0: Right. And then you see the Brewers troll them and throw a lefty pitcher for the first batter. The How many ring, years right? ago
2: was that? That was two. two, two years ago. Dodgers still have no <laughs> championships. So Zach Davies, uh, no one doesn't throw high velocity. He, his, his, fa- his pitch does jour or p- his best pitch was a, a changeup that was rated as the fourth most effective pitch in the, or most fourth most effective changeup in the minors, Gotta love that. or uh, in the majors. I'm sorry, according to fan graphs.
0: What did Eric Lauer have? Nothing.
2: Eric Lauer is graded average or below average in all of his Eric pitches. Lauer's
0: great at playing the Dodgers.
2: He doesn't have an above average pitch. He's just he's just kind of a dude. And I think we've seen enough. I've right. seen enough so from like Eric Clower.
0: Pottery's one on the pitching, and then the other two, it's a toss up.
2: I don't think Zach Davies moves the needle a lot for anyone.
0: I mean, agree to disagree. I
2: think we have some things at second base that you're going to try out. I think you're going to see, um, unfortunately, Ian Kinsler get another shot at that's second base.
0: Where this trade gets hairy.
2: What are we doing with Ian Kinsler? Who's
0: going to be second baseman?
2: Um, Ty France is still around. So when Kinsler fails, and he will, Ty France is next man up.
0: You think Kinsler's going to come
2: back? Yeah. Didn't they just uh, didn't they pick up his option or something? Did they? The most interesting part for me in the whole deal is Trent Grisham because he, like I said earlier, he's got a lot of pedigree, which matters. First round
0: pick. It matters overall. at this point in your... That's cr- a good get.
2: It does. And he's wasn't rated as highly as Luis Arias, but at this point, who cares? It's, what have you done for me lately?
0: Where is he going to play?
2: Uh, well, right now it's a little crowded, isn't it? Right. So Margot, Myers, Naylor, and Renfro are all still there. Franchi's still there. So right now... If this is the team, there's no way this can be the team going into opening day. But I would have him platooned with Hunter Renfro.
0: You got to move Myers. I he's, think Gresham's he's, above Myers. He's
2: not a real center fielder, and I think we're done with Will Myers. So I think they're going to close the book on him somehow. Attach him to some deal is a is a dump. Um, Margot could be gone. Renfro could be gone. We don't really know at this point, but…
0: I I mean, uh, Gresham as a lefty, him and Renfro platoon… Gresham. Sorry. That's okay. I your just want to
2: get you in there. Gresham.
0: Yeah. Grisham as a lefty, him platooned with Renfro. We've seen when Renfro's platooned, he's a decent player.
2: He's a more than decent player. He yeah. was so good last year that we were wondering, should we trade him or not?
0: He, we should have, yes.
2: Yes, we in hindsight, <laughs> we absolutely should have, but we were all drinking the Kool-Aid and it was, oh, Hunter Renfro finally broke out. Like, well, why would you trade him? in the
0: future of the outfield, platooning.
2: And I don't see anything wrong with that. Analytically, that's kind of what the numbers say is this guy kills lefties, this guy kills righties, just platoon them why do we have to, to make a decision on one guy playing every day right when together they make one competent player or one above average player even so if that's the plan i don't mind it uh it's easier to do that than with a second baseman um yeah.
0: and gresham gresham did i say it right no grisham it's an grisham. The different in eh air. And, eh. and grisham is okay. still young he's only 23
2: yeah, he there. He gets compared a lot to Arias. They're, they're really similar players. They're both young. They're both top prospects, and the teams both soured on them. So get a fresh start, and he gets a fresh start from the team that he cost a chance to get into the playoffs in that that uh, playing game. I I kind of like Gresham. you got me saying it now. This you incepted me. I kind of like gotcha. Gresham. I I, I I like it. He's a power speed guy. He can play corner outfield, which you desperately need. We don't. I think we have f- options at second base, whether it's Kinsler or whether it's France or whether it's you trade for someone. He's a young, talented player, and I, I'm i fine with starting over with that. It's just Luis Arias going to a team that does not need a second baseman. Uh, they're going to try to stick him at shortstop, it looks like, because they've lost faith. But we in, saw
0: he can't play short.
2: He's played short, fine, well. fine in the minors, not well. and fine in winter ball. And so I guess Milwaukee see something. Um, they're not happy with Orla- uh, Orlando Arcia in Milwaukee. They have Keston Hira at second base who is going to be a stud, already kind of is a stud, but he suffers defensively. So I don't know what you do with so him.
0: bottom line is, who won this trade?
2: I think it's just a, a straight push. I don't see any team like really making a big move here um, to get ahead of anyone else. I think it's just... Kind of just moving pieces. Yeah, the starters are very similar in... Th- you Both can, teams are playing checkers right now. You can talk about which arm angle they list. have and the, the pitches they throw and the effectiveness of this and the spin rate. Of the, uh, at the end of the day, all their, their innings and ERAs and strikeout rate, like it's all kind of similar. So I just, I don't care. It was it was an extra couple years of control from Milwaukee getting Eric Lauer. They get a little younger. They save a little bit of money. That's it. That's, I think, what they accomplished. And then the Padres, who were ready to move on from Grisham, get a young player back to hopefully uh, be a significant piece in the outfield and they can move on too.
0: Okay. Brings us to our next brewer,
2: <clears throat> Drew Pomerantz. Brewer.
0: Was a brewer last year. He was on the
2: Brewers last year? Yeah. He's been moving around so much. So the Padres signed uh, Drew Pomerantz, former Padres All-Star Drew Pomerantz. Coming back to San Diego, four years, what was it, $36 million? I don't know the totals. It why, was, uh, why don't you know the totals? <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing over there? Pornhub. Well, would you would you type in that? Did... I've
1: got a take on this.
2: Oh, Sam, take. Okay. Well, Wade Sorry struggles. Uh, what do you got for the take you on this? You guys are problems? very
1: into the weeds on the uh, uh, the, the trade talk here. But uh, no, I I really don't understand spending what nine million a year for a, what a middle reliever. I, this to me kind of looks like a move that a team like the Yankees would make or the Red Sox. But. It, I think a lot of it is kind of how you allocate salary with regards, you know, to a team that's a, still a small market to mid market team. So the deal was four years, thirty four million dollars. Okay. I mean, unless you guys can educate me, but so you're spending eight and a half million dollars a year on a middle reliever, which I, I mean, this makes a lot of sense if you're a team like the Yankees or Red Sox, where you know you can have a, a lot more liberal allocation of your your payroll, but for a Small to mid market team. Does this make sense or really move the uh, needle on, uh,
2: you know, relative to what this money could go towards? I hate spending money on relievers, especially if you're the. Potters. You just say
0: spending money on pitching, though.
2: Well, that too, but especially relievers who fluctuate so much from year to year. You kind of never really know what you're going to get from middle relievers, even even elite closers. There's only a few that you can rely on year to year. Look, and at, we
0: have the best one.
2: Well, right now. It, but three years ago, he was a nobody. You know what I mean? Like he, these things kind of come out of nowhere. Which so I don't. Makes you
0: think is Preller signing him as a starter? Is Preller trying to bring him back in as a starter?
2: No, I don't think that for a second. I think he's he's most effective by far in the bullpen. I think he was exposed he as didn't a starter. Even know what team he was on. So uh, I can see the numbers.
0: Okay. So you're a numbers guy.
2: Yeah, it's baseball. <laughs> so. He's been hurt. He's had a history of injuries, but that's another reason to keep him in the, in the bullpen. I mean,
0: remember when we traded him away last time?
2: Got Anderson Espinosa for faked
0: him. The but we faked the physical?
2: Oh, uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> I mean, you guys are putting words in Preller's mouth now. Is that what you think happened?
0: Didn't he get suspended for
1: it?
2: Yeah, he did. <laughs> but so I guess he would know above anyone else what he's getting with Drew Pomeranz, wouldn't he? My
1: question would be just – you know what is the market on a middle reliever? The, to me, this seems like an excessive contract, and it's just like, so what are you establishing? Because this to me is like what you pay a closer, or you know certainly a, a prominent starting pitcher.
2: Closers go for much more than that these days. They want five years. I mean, Kimbrel held out last year because he wanted a hundred million dollars, and I think we've seen the market correct itself. Um, before he signed that, we saw like Wade Davis, Greg Holland go for really big, like you know seven, eight million, seven, eight year deals. Up to like 80, 90, 100 plus million dollars. And we kind of don't see that anymore. I think just in the last five years, teams have gotten an- smarter to the point where they know that the value isn't there for middle relievers, even closers. So I don't know what Preller is necessarily that's thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I think Preller sees him as a starter. I don't think this is a middle relief play. I think this is
0: making him go back to be a starter.
2: Well, I think it's bad either way. If you want him to be a starter, I think that's bad because, well, maybe you got him for the right amount of money. But he's never shown he's been able to stay healthy and he's never shown the ability to be a f- well – But if you're a
0: Padres mid market team, you have to take those risks.
2: On the 31 like year old middle reliever who was hurt last year, that's the risk you want to take, spending $34 million.
0: I mean, you and I both have the pipe dream, Sam too, as a Padres fan, that we're going to go get Garrett Cole. We're going to go get Scherzer. No, we're not. We're
2: not. I don't so we think have that for sure.
0: We have to take these risks and see. He was good at one point.
2: We did that with Garrett Richards. That's what we have. Right. But I That's think, what I'm saying. I don't Garrett think we need him. An, and Drew
0: Pomerantz, like same exact thing. I don't think we need if another. It works. It works. But we we don't know that yet.
2: He's just another fifth starter. Like why why is that the thing we needed?
0: Pomerantz was the number one when we first had him.
2: Yeah, we're, we're talking several years ago now. Okay. And he's he's hasn't been. He threw 26 innings last year. Like this is not a guy that you bank on being a starting pitcher. And I think if you do, you're going to be really disappointed, and he's going to wind up in the bullpen as the long guy, which is fine. And I bet he's very good in that role, but not for eight million dollars a year when we don't have a ton of money to spend anyway on the MLB what we roster. Well, gain
0: uh, Stammen.
2: Oh, like three, three or four million, I think. Okay. So is he going to be twice as good as Stammen? Even if he is, that's it's overpriced. Like, yeah the the surplus value he creates is a bullpen piece is not enough to warrant eight million dollars a year. That's a that's more than a one win war player per year, making $8 million. That's not what Drew Pomerantz is going to do next year.
1: Okay. What does this tell you about the rest of the free agency period with regards to the Padres? I mean, I'm sure you guys have discussed areas that the team needs to address, but seemingly a big number for a middle reliever
2: Uh, I think the team thought they were going to add a starting pitcher, if I'm not correct, right? They are. The plan is definitely they have to add – top-end starting pitching. So it's not back-end starting pitching. That's why we traded Eric Lauer. There's there's nothing... I, I think the Padres, at the top of their wish list, has to be a number one or a number two starter. Like, I know he wasn't very good last year, but Noah Syndergaard, who a lot of teams, not just the Padres, think that they can probably get more out of than the Mets were. And the Mets stupidly said this last year, I think they regretted this immediately. They were like... We're afraid. We're afraid to trade Noah Syndergaard because we think some team is going to extract more value than what we've gotten. Like this is that's the Mets in a nutshell, right there. They know right. how much talent they have in Syndergaard, and yet they're not getting it. So they don't want to trade him to the Astros or the Yankees because they'll find a way to use him properly. So he's a guy I would target is someone that is gettable in a trade.
0: Right. If you're the Padres, it's got to be done through trade. We're not gonna we're not gonna sign the big.
2: free agent. No, I don't want to sign a big free agent. I don't want to be locked into Garrett Cole for seven years and paying him thirty million dollars annually, which is what he's going to get. It, there's just I I don't see like
0: bank on or beg that Strasburg would take a hometown discount,
2: and I don't he's think not. he's going to. I, I, the track record just isn't there for starting pitching, and even with Strasburg, he's going to want a ton of money, which he deserves. He turned down twenty five million dollars a year over four years, so he's going to want more than that. And even with his injury history, I don't want to take the risk. I, take that. I don't yeah. want to sign Hyunjin Ryu for that much either. He's been. Hurt off and on for the last several years. He's put together a couple of good years lately, but before that, he missed two whole seasons. So, like, why would we want that guy? and Pay him a lot of money? That's just lost uh, salary that's just sitting on the. I'd rather we're paying Hector Olivera still. That's the equivalent The guy that's not going to play for you, making that much money. It doesn't make any sense to me. You have to you have to make a trade for someone that you control for a few years. Trade from your surplus of talent and in the minors. And throw Will Myers in there and maybe dump Will Myers. Hopefully, but. <laughs> That we have some – the Padres are famous for the depth of their minor league system. This is what you use it for. Exactly. They, they all don't turn out to be starters for your team. You use them to supplement your MLB roster. That's what they have to do. Before we let Sam out of here, we're going to get his insight on this week in NFL gambling.
0: That's why we brought him here. That's
2: kind of the main reason we brought him here. That's we need really
1: to really win some money. We need to money. baseball.
2: Good. Target locked. Uh, Wade and I went two and zero again last week with our locks of the week. We are officially hot. I am three for my last three, so three zero. Wade, right. you missed a couple weeks ago, but you are two for your last two. Six
0: and
2: two. Six and two overall is very good. Um, I did check the tape. So eight, week eighteen, you lost, or episode eighteen, you lost. You took a I forgot who it was, but you you hit your last two, which is great. Last three. I just I, I checked the tape. You missed your last two. two. Uh, you had the Colts plus one in Pittsburgh I wrote it down right there and you missed episode 19 you've nailed 20 and 21 feel free to feel free to AM2. check my homework what? AM2. this is this is 22
1: right. now I know what's funding all the Ikea furniture in here jeez you're sharps
2: <laughs> so uh, I really like Buffalo plus seven at Dallas I have no idea why Dallas is getting seven points here other than they're America's team I think Buffalo's pretty good and I think seven's just a, if it was three I might stay away but for some reason it's 7. So give me all those points and I think they're pretty good.
1: I think if you look at Buffalo, they're the classic just beat up on bad teams but kind of underperform when they play someone that's better and I would agree with that. Um I think that's probably what, you know, fades also it's interesting cuz you know you've got the Cowboys that are heavily just you know the public loves just given the um the recognition and uh the Thanksgiving Day game. I think you just have like a you know, a line that's overly weighted to the Cowboys, just given the fact that the public's just going to be all over it on Thanksgiving Day. Your cohorts agree.
2: <laughs> Wade, what's your lock?
0: My lock this week: the Browns are hot.
2: Wade's hot. Browns are hot.
0: Browns are hot.
2: You've been pro-Browns. It's been on the record, I think, for the last couple of years. True. I mean, you're just a, you're just a big Mayfield guy.
0: But they're over they're over helmet gate. Duck Hodges is starting for Pittsburgh.
2: Isn't that a good thing for Pittsburgh? Is it? I don't, I don't
0: know. I don't think it is. Okay, it's so a pick 'em game. They're getting
1: one point. Okay, one point favorites take the Browns.
2: Okay, and Shark Sam, what do you got for uh, NFL pick?
1: You know, I'm all over Niners. They're on the road. They're getting six points uh, against the Ravens, a hot Ravens squad. Uh, you know, I just really think this is kind of going to be a big game lag, you know, for the the Ravens. Uh, They've had now, what, the Texans and then uh, last week against the Rams on Monday Night Football. I always also like just, you know, in a matchup against prestigious offense versus defense, defense always kind of seems to have the advantage. And I think the Niners are playing defense at a a rate that, you know, certainly uh, is at the top of the league. And, you know, they can have unique schemes to really minimize the effectiveness of Lamar Jackson. I mean, I I still, you know, think Lamar Jackson's got to be your MVP, Uh, For over Christian McCaffrey
2: Over Russell Wilson
1: I mean Christian McCaffrey's team might not make the playoffs And uh, you know I I really think Lamar Jackson's done more to transform You know that team uh, Relative to to Russell Wilson But uh, no I mean I I just think it's just kind of a law of averages You'd think that they'll plateau and, and have a game where they come back to life a little bit after two huge, you know, route wins over good teams.
2: It's certainly a lot of points against a good San Francisco team, so I'd have no problem with you taking the 49ers there on the points.
0: So, parlay us, fans. Tease us, maybe. Or tease
2: us. I think that's going to do it. Sam, thanks for coming in studio. Thanks for having me.
1: By the way, I really love what you guys do. You know, Ryan, you, you're a great breakdown of kind of some of the new age stats and helping explain, uh, you know, a lot of how the modern baseball fans consumes the games. So I'm no, I'm that. no big
2: stats guy, but I like to think I have a little balance between new school thought and, and old school thought.
1: Yeah. Wait, I don't know really what you do here, but uh, Wade's
2: good at drinking White Claws. White, yeah. Yeah. Not many
1: people do. And yeah. making hot takes. I respect that. And
2: uh, he wins us some money on. Someone's got to do it. On the weekend, he wins us money on Sundays. So yeah, thanks again to Sam. Coming in Thanksgiving weekend, appreciate him helping out. Uh, please follow the show's Twitter account, at Fire FireFarmHands. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart.
1: You can also find us at Believe.com and Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your ratings of the show in all platforms. Please like, comment, share. We love you.
2: Share, yeah. You've been listening to Believe in Pottery's Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. For Wade and Sam, I am Ryan. See you guys next week. You
0: just keep saying data. Where's this data coming from? (laughs) It is data. (laughs)